Good morning. Uh, welcome to Driving Theology, which will soon, uh, probably within a couple hours if it's not already, be available on iTunes, iTunes, iTunes. <sighs> yeah, which is great news. I, I've actually been trying to get this listed on iTunes for months, and I kind of gave up several months ago. When I first started, I just, uh, yeah, the, some of the details somewhere were avoiding me, or uh, I was avoiding the complexity of the process, but once I sat down last night and just decided, you know, it can't be that hard, I'm missing something. So all I had to do is redo my artwork and make it from the beginning with a program, uh, a free online program, it's called something monkey. Can't remember what it's called now. Uh, I'll try to look that up. Anyway, uh, yeah, and once I got the artwork to be just exactly the right size, which uh, Apple is very anal about that, um, apparently, uh, it worked out really well. So, yeah, got the uh, artwork, uh, so the, we, we have a new logo somewhat. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got the artwork up and, uh, stayed up a little bit late last night getting that posted or, uh, sent into Apple and finally got an email confirming that they received the application and they said they would, you know, people said it could take up to two weeks, but it just pretty much took overnight to get approved, which is really great. So, yeah, so we will be on iTunes. Uh, so those of you who prefer to have this on iTunes, if that's how your iPhone is hooked up, it should make things a lot simpler than having to log into SoundCloud every time. SoundCloud. SoundCloud's a great hoster, though. It's still going to be hosted on SoundCloud. Um, anyway, we'll uh, see what this does. I, I assume it's going to open it up to more users, but I'm not exactly sure how it all works. And I'm just thankful for anybody who listens to uh, my uh, rambling idiocies. Speaking of which, uh, yeah, today I thought I'd talk about uh, uh, kind of going on from last week's post, which was a... Uh, I uh, titled the, the Road Less Traveled, The Narrow Gate, and I attributed The Road Less Traveled, hopefully you saw that at the end of the podcast, I attributed the poem The Road Less Traveled to Henry David Thoreau, as opposed to the actual author, Robert Frost. So, sorry about that, uh, those of you who are fans of Robert Frost, which I know there are a lot, uh, hopefully I've rectified that, and uh, yeah, and it's a great poem, and and, uh, you know, there's still some argument as to what it means. You know, most people think it means to, to, to go the opposite way of the crowd, right? To take the road less, less traveled is to go the opposite way of the crowd. And that's kind of how I approached it last week. Uh, because that's how it, you know, that's how that term speaks to me. Uh, that's how... Oh, this is a bad idea. So 
Sorry we cut off there for a minute. Uh, my car started whistling. It's really bad about it. I guess next time I'll let it whistle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what critics of that view have said is that Robert Frost was not actually saying that we should all take the road less traveled. This is what critics say. Uh, but that it's a sad situation where you have to choose but one road uh, that you can't travel down two roads at the same time. Um, so when you choose one, you're always wondering what you may have missed on the other road. Uh, you know, that that's also, of course, a valid point. That, that, that does change the uh, the uh, tenor of the poem quite a bit from from the other. Uh, but we were discussing this last week, and one guy said, "Yeah, but you can't you can't force art to mean what you want it to mean. It means different things to different people. That's one of the things that makes art art. And there is that you know kind of cryptic last uh, last line." in the poem where he says, uh, I took the road less traveled and that made all the difference. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry, I'm actually, the, the, the poem is not the road less traveled, that's the line. The poem is uh, something slightly different than I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, uh, the Road Less Traveled, if you search that, you'll find your way to the poem, I'm sure, by Robert Frost. So today I want to talk about, more specifically, um, the approach uh, that Jacobson has been talking about. I, I did finish his book on audio uh, last week uh, and found it very interesting. The book I'm referring to is Finding Church. Finding Church by uh, Jacobson, Wayne Jacobson, I believe, which was a wonderful book, and and it kind of what it does is, in a sense, in a sense, mind you, decentralizes church, which is what everyone's afraid of, right? This is this is uh, what most people would say is anarchy. You know, Christian anarchy. Um, but I know that were you to talk to Jacobson and, and other people, uh, they believe that Jesus is the real-time head of his church. Okay, So if, if that's the case, and I, I believe it is as well, but I mean, if you don't believe Jesus is the head of the church, Sure, you'd probably even be calling yourself a Christian, just you know, it's possible that you don't. Uh, but what that means is, Jesus, if he is the caller of the church, then he should be the one calling meetings, he should be the one making decisions, he should be the real leadership, and he should be given uh, authority to do as he will with the church that he has built, uh, watered with his own blood. So you know, it's really hard to figure out because it's just life, right? 
it's it's living life as a believer in Jesus and allowing life to happen and for every situation in life to be guided by Jesus and the power uh, that we find in the Holy Spirit and that church is who you are all the time and we have this idea because Jesus said you know wherever two or three are gathered in my name there I'm with you all also but, you know he didn't say wherever two or three are gathered that's church now that's how we've interpreted it and and I like that interpretation because uh, I say I like it I'm not sure that I limit it to that interpretation but I like that interpretation because I think that that helps us realize the importance of every moment spent together with a brother or sister in Christ, right? Uh, every moment spent together uh, is uh, inviting Jesus in our presence. But he doesn't say that he's not with us when we're alone. I mean, I think that would be crazy. Uh, of course, together time is super important, and it's it's really important. You know, one anothering, the, the, the number of one anothering uh, verses that we find love one another, pray for one another. Um, there are just so many one another verses that, of course, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't be together, you know. But this idea that we have to be together from a certain time to a certain time on a different day every week. That 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 is what, and, and and oh sorry, and defining that as church, I think that is what Jacobson and, and others would would be you know trying to discourage that way of thinking. The church is so much more, uh, and we need to realize that we are representing Jesus Christ with every breath we take, with every step we make. I sound like an old police song. Uh, but yeah so what does that look like what in the world does that look like I think one thing uh, that it looks like is life It, it looks like what we're already doing it's just that we have compartmentalized our uh, religious uh, because of religion, we've compartmentalized our lives. We've separated our spiritual life from our normal life. So that our spiritual life is lived on certain days or when we're doing certain activities. Uh, but the rest of life is not innately spiritual or has no uh, spiritual significance. Uh, but if we were to not be able to attend a congregation on the time and day that we usually do. What, what if that were taken away from you? And what if you were, you know, this is a desert island scenario. Uh, what if you were the only Christian uh, amongst many other non-Christians? Does that mean that you can't be church? And so what Wayne talks about, and I may be um, bringing a little bit of Mike Breen into this too. I'm just reading uh, Mike, Mike and his wife, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but um, I'm just listening to their book on audio as well, which is called uh, Family on Mission, and it has a lot of similarities, I think, um, that, you know, 
of sharing life and just living life um, as church all the time is a much more fulfilled life. It's, it's, a, it's a much more ordained and blessed life than anything religion has to offer. So if I, if I uh, cross those two, uh, you can reference those books and, and uh, yeah, the, the way I read things really run together. I'm a, I'm a uh, immersive reader, I guess. I'm not a, a uh, you know, outline writing, diagramming um, type of reader. I like to immerse myself in a lot of good material and, and let things kind of sink in and settle. And as you can see, that's what this podcast has been all about. That's why while I'm driving, I can't take out books and look up look up scriptures or or uh, you know find exact quotes from authors. I want to see and I want to test myself to know that what I'm reading is sinking in, what I'm learning, uh, whether from the Word uh, or from other Christians or from the readings I do. That, yeah, that it's it's sinking in. That I'm I'm learning. That it's it's. Uh, mark on, on me, so to speak. So, you know, we've, we've always had this idea that ministry is something we go out to do, and that there is that possibility, but every time we go out, we now have a place to be in, right? So, for example, if, you know, a missionary many friends of mine are missionaries who have left their own country to go to another country. Well, yes, they've gone out. They have, they have uh, gone into all the world to preach the gospel. But once they get to those places, of course, they're, they're going to be in with people. They will be bringing people into their homes and they will be entering other people's homes. Uh, the, the inness or the togetherness does not negate the sending outness uh, of the Great Commission. You go out uh, or go away from your home in order to be with people, and oftentimes that'll either be in their homes or your home, you know, or, or wherever you're staying, you know. So, with Mike Breen, Mike and his wife are, are uh, writing this book, and actually they record the podcast together, which is quite unique. Uh, sorry, podcast the uh, the Audible. I get my books on Audible. They record it together, uh, alternating uh, chapters, and it's it's really great to hear uh, Mike's wife's voice. And I promise I'm going to try to remember her name. Um. So yeah, this idea that everywhere you go and everything you do is church, and that if you were to meet together, wouldn't it? be more productive to know that Jesus had called the meeting as opposed to obeying to institutionalization which says this time, this day, every week uh, for infinity and beyond um, nobody likes to go to meetings where nothing is accomplished or that are unneeded uh, that happens a lot. Uh, meetings where you you're made to attend, but nothing really happened that is significant, and your your presence wasn't needed. But on the flip side of that is everybody loves to get together with the people they love. 
everybody loves to get together with family you know and as the body of Christ we are family and we are to be in love with each other as we are in love with Christ and he is in love with us you know we we are to uh, to want to be together the spirit compels us to meet uh, yeah that you know that there are scriptures that that talk about um, you know do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together uh, I, I think that's probably uh, it probably doesn't mean what we think it means what, what, it, what we think it means it doesn't mean uh, don't neglect the uh, don't neglect the scheduled meeting times it probably means something more akin to you know don't ignore each other and if you are ignoring each other what's wrong what what has caused this uh, relationship problem right so you know be together assemble together meet together and if you look at the people from Acts chapter 2 I think they would look at the people later in the New Testament who were meeting just once a week and they may say you are neglecting assembling together you know when we when we first became the body of Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit entered us and, and we had no religion, we had no institutionalization or none of that, wow, the, we, we just had to be together all the time and that's what the Spirit compelled us to do. The, the Spirit uh, wanted us to be together all the time. The Spirit pulled us to each other. And now you're only meeting once a week, right? What happened to you? Why did you become institutionalized? You know, why, why didn't you just continue to be together as, as often as the Spirit called you together? Now, we, we have this tendency to read everything in the New Testament that does not overtly or obviously say it's wrong as being right almost anything that's written in the New Testament, right? For example, this one, they met together on the first day of the week, right? They met together on the first day of the week. Uh, I don't know. There seems to be a weird discrepancy between the first chapter of, first two chapters of Acts and that statement. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong either. But to say that's what has to happen, to say that's what has to happen, uh, you know, I, I, I even remember churches saying that we could only meet on the first day of the week. We couldn't meet any other, I mean, you, you may think I'm, you know, crazy, but you, you would be surprised. There are some uh, movements out there that take every letter of the New Testament as both, uh, you know, telling us what to do and, and you know, in effect, what not to do. So if the Bible told us to meet the first day of the week, it means don't meet the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth or the seventh, right? Which is crazy. But this is where it's going to get us if we don't try to uh, be, a, be a little bit more critical in our thinking.
you know, there are a couple places where if, if you look at things a little bit critically and don't just take the words of the Old Testament to mean what religion says they mean, uh, you, might, you might have a few questions. Uh, let me give another example. Uh, giving, right? Uh, Paul instructed churches to lay aside on the first day of the week money. And he said, so that when I come, it will be already collected and I can get the money and go on my way. So, so that it wouldn't take a long time. He wanted, he wanted the money to be ready for him to take to Jerusalem. Now this was a campaign. Paul uh, came up with this idea that in order to uh, repair the relationship gap between the uh, Jewish churches and the other churches throughout Asia Minor or uh, Asia Minor or Greek, uh, Greece or whatever, in order to do that, he decided that wouldn't it be great if we could uh, raise money for this uh, time of hardship that has been prophesied that is going to happen in Jerusalem. Wouldn't it be great if we could raise money and have that ready so that when that does happen, we'll go down and we'll be able to take care of our brothers and sisters who are in Jerusalem in, in this place where it's going to be difficult. And so Paul went around and during this campaign, he collected money from many Gentile churches uh, and took it down. Now what's happened is this... You know, <laughs> this has become an institution because now we say every Sunday we have to take an offering. We have to take an offering every single Sunday. That's what we do. Whether we have a, a place to spend the money or not, we take, you know, Paul said, lay money aside first day week, and that's what we do. We've taken it as a law. You know, and then forget about, you know, even laying aside the idea that us obeying laws to be good Christians is utterly crazy and exactly what Jesus came to change. You know, forget that whole thing. To take something that was so obviously a one-time campaign thing and to say that that is the standard by which we will do things forever. I mean, it's just crazy, seriously crazy. But that's what's happened because we have a paradigm. Uh, we have a way of looking at scripture. We have a, a worldview, if you will, that says uh, organized religion is real religion. That's the way everything's supposed to happen, right? Um, and it's just all crazy. I don't, I don't even know where to where to begin on all that. You know, that's where I was. That, that's, where I, that's how I was raised. Um, so, laying aside that, so, so what if, what if Jesus didn't want us to institutionalize giving, to institutionalize the Lord's Supper, to institutionalize gathering, to institutionalize leadership? What if all of those things were to take place as need arose, as there was a need? So that people, eat, you know, that so Christians each time could decide as the need arose 
whether or not they were willing to give and let that be a barometer to where they are spiritually. You know, as it is, we throw in our money, we attend church, we take the Lord's Supper, uh, we do all of the, you know, things that the institution has deemed as law, mainly traditions. And we really don't have any choices to make. We don't, you know, we, we do, but, you know, we could still have other choices to make. We could still decide to help other people as, you know, random events happen in our life. But, you know, if everything we did was because there was a need at that moment and we want to help, what would that do to change who we are as Christians? To know that every single thing we did, we did because we were compelled by the Holy Spirit, not by institution. All right, so what do I mean by institutionalization? Uh, you have organization. Organization is a fact of life. You wanna get something done, it's a fairly complex task. You organize your time, your resources uh, to get that task done, right? So it's a task-based organizing. Now, when you take organization and say it always has to happen in the same way and on the same day, that's when it has become an institution, okay? Now, we tend to institutionalize everything. We've institutionalized education. We've institutionalized marriage. We've institutionalized the church, right? Organization is not bad. But organization, when it becomes, when we become compelled to do things the same way on the same day, over and over and over, it no longer requires any heart to do that. It requires no movement of the heart. It requires just obedience to the schedule and obedience to the traditions. And that's what we have today. We have heartless churches. We have heartless Christians. So what Wayne has been saying is, is that there is another church out there. There is a church that exists that is not heartless, where people do live by the guidance of the Holy Spirit on a moment-to-moment -moment basis and strive to do so and, and walk that way. And those people are found in institutions. Those people are found outside of institutional churches. Those people are found everywhere. I would even say that those people, and I, I, I feel like I've met one recently, that those people even exist outside of a relationship with Jesus. I know that's kind of weird to say, and I, I hear me out on this. There are people in the world who are more like Jesus than Christians I've met. And they consider themselves atheists. And yet they like... They like the Jesus they find in the New Testament, but they don't like the, the God they've been told they have to believe in by religion 
and they haven't figured that out yet and that's not their fault that's religion's fault and I feel like Jesus will speak to them at some point and reveal himself to them but there are good people in the world people who follow the example of Jesus while not believing in him as God because religion has given them a skewed, bastardized view of who God is and who Jesus is. Okay? We religious people are at fault for that. I really believe this. We have got to bring Jesus and the Holy Spirit back into the church and it may just take decentralizing an uninstitutionalizing church to provide room for him to come back in I'm not saying he doesn't exist in every institutionalized church but every institutionalized church is not the true bona fide body of Jesus okay I know that's harsh I think there are probably true believers in every church but it doesn't mean just to belong to a local church makes you a true disciple of Jesus a disciple of Jesus does what Jesus did a disciple of Jesus loves who Jesus loved a disciple of Jesus has surrendered and is in the process of surrendering surrendering their entire life and their entire will to Jesus. I pray that you're on that process. I pray that I'm on that process. Because man, every every couple years I realize there's another road less traveled to go down. Uh, man, do not follow the crowds. I don't I don't care if they're the crowds in the world, I don't care if they're the crowds in the church, don't follow the crowd. Just like the people of Israel were by definition God's chosen people, but even in within the pe people of Israel, God at one point said, I have reserved only 7,000. Now I, I added the only, but I have reserved 7,000 who did not bow the knee to Baal. How many has Jesus reserved in his body today who have not bowed the knee to institutionalization, to materialism, to culture? How many? You know, the answer, the answer in all of this the question, how do we know? I think it's really simple. You, you start surrendering your life to Jesus. One, one compartment at a time. Expose everything to it. Open it up. Open up those compartments and allow his light to come in and, sh and shed his light in those places. Surrender your will to His will in everything, in every moment.
to so many things that compete for our our attention, our love, our time. We are yoked to a lot of things, and I think an unyoking is something we need to do, whether that's unyoking yourself from uh, things within your institutionalized church. Uh, but this much is clear that there's a lot of toxicity in religion today. A lot of religion is toxic. And I'm talking about Christianity. And a lot of detoxing needs to happen. How are you going to detox? What is the process that, that you're going to go through to be sure that you have detoxed from everything that is not Jesus? For His glory. You know, a lot of the uh, promises that religion has offered us down through the years, frankly, has seemed like a pipe dream to me. I've tried to be righteous and good for so much of my life. Uh, you know, going to the right meetings or, or you know, understanding the right doctrines or beliefs or reading the right, you know, version of the Bible or, you know, whatever, what have you, uh, going to, you know, enough meetings and gatherings or going to the right church, the right denomination, you know, there's no life in any of that stuff. There is no life there. There is no life in human effort. I've said today I'm talking to myself as well you know this is a process that we are all in you know on a continuum the entire world is in this process of of you know we're, we're all on a continuum from a way or to God we are all heading toward a greater relationship with Jesus or we're heading away from it. You know, we're all on this line. Uh, and a relationship cannot be institutionalized. As soon as you institutionalize a relationship, it's over. This is why I, I've said in the past, you know, you, many of us looked forward to relationship, but all we got was religion. And religion is a lifeless institution. Give me Jesus. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully this will be on uh, iTunes soon. Um, yeah, and thank you. Thank you uh, for those of you who do tune in and indulge me with... Uh, your attention, even partially. Uh, I do appreciate it, and 
would love for you to comment. Please, you know, comment uh, on uh, SoundCloud or, I don't know, does iTunes allow comments? I suppose it does. But Anyway, if you'd like to send me an email, uh, my email address is M-C-L-A-I-N-S-T-E-R, McLeanster, at gmail.com. Send me an email. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Bye-bye.